If you've ever listened to podcasts, you'll recognize that many audiences tend to have a name, an identity. There's armchairies, murderinos, weirdos, and beefots. I'm Jenna Zafino, host of the Working Well podcast, and I cannot shake the urge to start the show by saying, what's up wellies, which I know you're not going to love, which I know you're going to cringe at, which I know you'll probably roll your eyes at. So here is your number one task. Once you listen to this first introductory episode, I would love to hear your suggestions for what we'll call our community. We're not tribing, we're not clicking, we're not culting either. We are simply a community of wellness professionals that want to know what's working well for other people. I've got an amazing lineup of episodes featuring professionals who range from corporate wellness to marketing muckraking. It's all coming your way in January. But first, the inaugural episode of this podcast featuring myself and my best friend James as we talk about the journey that brought me here to shift gears and start a new show. When I launched my first podcast called Pilates Unfiltered in 2016, the podcast market was not yet as saturated as it is today. So I have a small request from you. If you are listening to this episode and you like what you hear, hit the subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast app and consider leaving a five-star review. Believe me, I hate even asking this, but we live in an age where ratings and reviews matter and help our shows be seen and heard by people who really need them. My hope is to provide you with lots of rich and useful content that help you in your wellness business as you forge forward in the year 2024 and beyond. So consider pausing the show real quick, hitting that subscribe or follow button and clicking those stars. From one small business owner to another, I truly appreciate your support. And if there's a way I can support you with a review on something you've done, send me an email at coachjz at jennazafino.com. It takes no time, and it's one of the best ways I find to support each other in our small business endeavors. And now, without further ado, for the very first time ever heard on the podcast Airways is an original song made with the intentions of avoiding copyright infringement laws and also with the fun expectation of getting to work with my beautiful sister who is a musical theater superstar. Her name is Caitlin Willado. My name is Jenna Zafino. You're about to hear the Working Well theme song. No, body's got a clue about what might work well for you and so it's time to help each other out with ways to navigate self-doubt and ways to boost our energy, reduce our stress, align our chi. And make it through an industry that wants to sell us miracles when all we want to do is do our work. Well, what's working well? James Crater has been called a sense maker. He helps people and teams make sense of complex experiences by creating experiences that center emotional and somatic intelligence. On paper, he is a behavior and change expert for the largest public sector employer in California. He also offers coaching, consulting, program, and process design development to individuals and groups, small to large businesses, and organizations alike. We begin deep in conversation between myself and James as we ask a question that comes up all the time for us, which is, how are those people affording those things? And how can we also afford those things? (laughs) I hope you enjoy the banter back and forth, as well as the deep dives. Here's my conversation with James. 
So this week I rethought everything. Um, I saw a really funny TikTok where the woman was like literally crying. She, I think she's like millennial and she's like, are you telling me I have to do real estate? Is this the thing? Like, <laughs> the hell? this is such a boring career. Like, I just have to go into a house and be like, do you like it? Do you want to buy it? Is that what I have to do? And I really resonated with that. Yeah. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times both Jason and I have thought, um, do we just do real estate together? Is that like, why is that the catch all? Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I, I blame it on HGTV. <laughs> it is, it is HGTV and, you know, just like this illusion that it's because every real estate agent that, you know, seems to be doing well, right? Yeah. I think it's they love their you know, work. They're li- yeah, exactly. They're living their best lives. They yeah. are all in the front row to Beyonce. I'll tell you right now in Chicago, it's like, if I see another like screenshot grab of the concert of like blue Ivy front and center, like they're <laughs> that close to it. And I'm like, or they're at Taylor Swift in the Bay area, exactly. $30,000 on a, on a ticket. What did you sell to get that ticket? <laughs> Because I'm, I'm saving lives over here. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, on the news the other day, they showed on Ticketmaster the price range for Taylor Swift tickets starting was mm-hmm. almost $1,300. And that's mm-hmm. restricted view mm-hmm. up to $30,000. And I'm like, I can't who even... are these people? Who are? We... Like, and what do you do for work to get there? For real. We have Lionel Messi, like we have Miami and uh, and Chicago Fire tickets for the season ticket uh, situation. Uh-huh. And we have great seats because season ticket holders are not abundant right. for the Chicago Fire, unfortunately. Um, we're in the front row. And yeah. it's that question between selling the ticket probably <laughs> around like to pay for a semester of college uh-huh, uh-huh. or giving my child a core memory. <laughs> Right, you know? right. I want to yeah. go. I want to go. I want to see. I know, but also, like, you know, everything's everything's increasing. Anyhow, all right, everyone. I suppose we should introduce our very first guest on the Working Well podcast. This has been in uh, just creation mode for a very long time, and Wild. I couldn't think of anybody who <laughs> I would rather hold my hand through the first episode of what I hope is a new and evolved and a little more centered and focused voice, because mm-hmm. I think that one of the things as a podcaster that's been happening is we had a very specific format for a long time. We get older, we get wiser, we are exposed to more things outside of the niche of what was Pilates Unfiltered. And now yeah. we're here with an expanded view on the wellness industry and the condition of being someone who is in wellness and wanting to work well and also having to make some really challenging and brave decisions i'm going to say brave decisions this has been uh this has been a long process for you to get here through a lot of phases you know i was talking about Pilates unfiltered last night. We were mm. talking, I was talking with Jason, my husband, about it. And have you really stopped and like uh, savored what it is that you had created there? A, a little bit. I know what you mean. Not not as much as I I should. Because yeah. the reality is, um, I just recently started engaging, you know, most podcast platforms will 
have a program where if you have a certain amount of downloads, you mm -hmm. can place ads before and after. And I thought to myself, you know, let's just see what happens. But there's still such a listenership on that podcast that mm -hmm. I'm actually making like $20 a month. Right. <laughs> it's not, you right. know, right. but it's still, I mean, you know, when you think about hits based on cents versus mm -hmm. dollars, it's still, it's still being listened to. And mm -hmm. I feel like the body of work of that podcast, it just came to a point where it was complete, yeah. but I still had more to say. And it was right. very challenging to figure out how to find the right vehicle to do that. So I've been recording one-off episodes <laughs> of Jenna <laughs> Unfiltered or whatever you call it. But yeah. Um, yeah. I think when you come, when it comes right down to it, thinking about all of the advice that business coaches give out in the world and I give to my own clients, it right. is, what is the problem you're trying to solve? Yeah. And I think that problem certainly has been discussed many times between you and I on mm -hmm. long form phone calls, mm -hmm. but it's really that wellness in general, and I don't even love using the term, but it is what it is. You mm -hmm. know, we're all mm -hmm. under this umbrella. Wellness in general is in many cases, an unregulated industry, mm -hmm. which has positive effects and negative effects. And it's also, this vast potential for services and products that are truly helpful to the human condition. But often we as wellness professionals work in a silo yeah. where we're not, if we are engaging with each other, it looks like a collab or a partnership or, right. you know, it's not a, an authentic, like, Hey, I'm dealing with this and I, I really need some perspective or insight. And so yeah that that's how the voice has has evolved but i think there's a part that uh, that's afraid to look back at what i created then um mostly because it was a very successful time yeah in on paper yeah um and fun and I want but to pause it's you different right there. now. We go into yeah. very successful time on paper. Yeah. Like what's well, underneath that? <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting. I was scrolling, looking for a particular photo recently on my photo roll on my phone. And I'm one of those people yeah. who just doesn't delete stuff. Same. Well, you Same. Can, okay, great. Yep. Everybody else can get over it. I've got 3 yep. million emails in my Same. inbox. It's, I like Same. to search for things, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I get it. So. I was going through like 2018, 2019, and I would see conference pick, conference pick, uh, live podcast recording, conference pick, friends, you and me a ton. And mm -hmm. then the next picture would be me with a breathing treatment, me mm -hmm. in urgent care, mm -hmm. um, me in the hospital. I mean, it was it was almost like clockwork. And mm -hmm. I, it wasn't like I wasn't trying to set up any sort of video or, you know, um, capturing of the documenting of the process but right. suddenly seeing it all laid out in chronological chronological order was like oh you went to conferences and then you got really sick yeah so yeah. my revenue was upwards of 180k yeah and yeah. i was traveling all over the place and still seeing a lot of clients and really like kneeling to the god that was the pilates industry Mm -hmm. sometimes mm -hmm. to the detriment of my own mental health and well-being mm -hmm. often mm -hmm. if we're being honest mm -hmm. most other times 
it was with this belief that I could facilitate change from the inside out. Right. Like as long as I was there, that maybe I could help some of the things that were really not doing well get better. Right. But then, you know, where I'm at now, which is I think way on the outside, what I've realized is that um, the risk that you take from leaving the circle of influence is uh, not knowing if people will come along with you. Mm-hmm. And while certainly the masses that were there for the Pilates years mm-hmm. haven't, yep. there are some very choice, beautiful folks who have because they were ready for it. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's okay. That is, yeah. that is okay. It's, uh, I had a similar experience of, you know, living, living the high life in the wellness yeah. industry and then, and then choosing not to. That's and, the thing though, the choice. Yeah. 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 And, and people don't understand like, why, why would you choose not to, if you had all that? Right. Well, you, as you were talking about, um, having having this high moment at conferences and then a low moment after mm-hmm. w- my memory is also that we we collectively would have low moments mixed in with the high moments yeah that when and, you and would cheesecake. see uh, yeah that <laughs> when you would see us at a conference mm-hmm. doing the thing whether it's a big summit conferencing or it's a workshop that uh there's a showman quality that was going yeah. on that we're there to yeah. yeah we're there to perform we're there to 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 do the thing but what is often not seen is the criticism that's happening sometimes right in front of your face as yeah. you're doing the thing the yeah. lack of money or the the fact that you're often spending money to do the yeah. thing yeah the fact that you're not caretaken often by the organizations that are throwing the conferences or the mm-hmm. studios that are hosting the workshops mm-hmm. and that there's a struggle even while the thing is going on. Yeah. And, you know, you and I have had this talk, I think probably both publicly and privately is there's an illusion that when you get to do all of that, that some magical door opens up and then you've made it. And the fact yeah. is that that door opens up and then there's another door that you have to like figure out how to open. And then once you open that yeah. one, there's another door you have to figure out. And there's never a guarantee that there's another door after right. that. And right. there's never a guarantee that there's a landing space after that door and that you're not gonna fall. And it just right. gets, it, it gets exhausting. I even find that today during some of the challenging months of my business, Mm -hmm. um, and this is coming off of one of the things I realized was I never got a chance to get this iteration of the business off the ground based on the pandemic. Yeah. Meaning that I let a good deal of my clients go at the end of 2019 in order to focus on the coaching and and traveling and continuing education and things like that. But what ended up happening was the pandemic happened. And then I, I, like you, we went into emergency strategy mode where we were coaching and helping and taking care of our own businesses. And then we got loans and we sustained those loans. And then for me in 2021, 2022, I ended up being, uh, getting a, a, a job with a, with a company that mm-hmm. paid a salary that just kind of, um, 
continued to sustain my business, but didn't yeah. forward it in any right. any way, shape or form. So I'm in that place. I'm in the growing pains of a business that really has been in existence since 2016, but in the iteration of the business that I had intended to transition to in 2020. Yeah. And with that comes some slow periods. And I think a lot of us are experiencing a really slow summer just with the threat of recession and yeah. just people being a little more cautious or just, it feels a little strange this year. Um, yeah. Maybe politics play into it. They always do the state yeah. of the world, et cetera. But um, I find myself sometimes longing back for those times especially mm -hmm. looking at the pictures that don't tell the full story. Mm -hmm. And I find myself getting kind of wistful and nostalgic for those times that felt so good. And I have to snap myself out of it and say, you got paid $150 for something that you paid $3,000 to be at. <laughs> you know, like, that's the thing. You several times that year, not several just times once, that year. Several times. Yeah. So it was like this realization that all is not what it seems to be. And I have to keep that at front of mind because, um, you know, the impact I think that you and I have always talked about with our work the best possible outcome has so much more to do with our individual clients yeah. and the ripple effect of their progress yeah. and success than it does with our name and lights. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, I think this is the perfect time. I feel like part of this podcast is like a coming out for me because I don't feel like the wellness community and like the, you know, the Pilates community even knows that I've sort of left yeah. The industry. Well, you didn't no. do your Instagram. I'm leaving this platform. <laughs> and, uh, you know, announcement. You didn't do it. I mean, I so how are we supposed I, to know? Yeah, I didn't. Um, I didn't. It. What I'm inclined to say is like, I didn't care enough to, to make the exit announcement. But the fact yeah. is, it was so uh, gentle and rushed all at the same time. So yeah. I like you. Uh, and, and it's going to feel, in story form, it's going to feel really abrupt, but anyone who knows me knows that this transition has been happening for a long time. And I, right. I did not know, I did not know that it would be where it is right now, but I knew something was coming. Mm. And so my business was doing really, really, really well, 2019, and, uh, you know, there was a purposeful slowing down. That's when our that's when our dog children were not mm -hmm. doing well. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, my dog passed and I thought, you know, took some grieving time and then was like, okay, 2020, like everyone, here we go. It's going to be <laughs> amazing. And, you know, by that time I had started working a lot with organizations in different forms. I yeah. had done some wellness coaching for them, some event design, some experiential design, some coat, you know, just all sorts of stuff. So I knew something was going to be different. Mm -hmm. And I had already transitioned a lot out of um, explicit movement work into nervous system work, stress work, that sort of stuff. So I knew something was going to be different, right? And then the pandemic happened and everyone scrambled and my scramble was actually pretty successful like i did really 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 well at the beginning mm -hmm. of the pandemic i i was making more money than i was before working way less mm. and um and then that stopped abruptly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's when the loans started to come in 
And uh, one of the companies I was partnering with, I still do, um, had asked, I'd made an app and they had asked to license the app. And so I went through this and anyone who's ever done any work with big organizations and had to do like an RFP, like a request for proposal and a SOA and all of the paperwork that goes along with it, which is pages and pages and meetings and meetings for a very long time. Yeah. Um, you know, went through that whole process and this was going to be multiple six figures over several years. Mm -hmm. And so this was, and it wasn't like, oh, you have to do work to do this. This was something I'd already created that was going to be licensed for multiple six figures over several years. It was going to be life-changing and uh, went through the whole thing. And then I found out that they decided not to go with it in the most like yucky way possible. I'd showed up to do their wellness day and at that day, like one of the big bosses just came up and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. We couldn't, you know, go with, go with your app. Maybe we can do that next year, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, thanks. Oh, awesome. <laughs> you know, just trying to like hold everything together because yeah. this is after the pandemic and everything and your dog has died and you're going yeah. through it. And it feels like not just a light at the end of the tunnel, but like a new life at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And, and then to find out in the midst of everything at the tail end, like, I'm so sorry. It was, it was just yucky. Yeah. And so I left that day just feeling so defeated. Like yeah. I can remember walking out of the event, going to my car and just sitting in the car mm -hmm. and just like, do I laugh? Do I cry? What, what, what do I do? And about a week later, um, I, uh, found out about a job and at first was immediately recoiled. And I was like, absolutely no way, no way am I going to do this. And then I thought about it and I'm like, you know, let's just see. You and had, I, there was a distinct point of getting memories flooded. You were pissed oh, yeah. at oh, no. the world too. Oh, yeah. And oh, I yeah. only mentioned that not to call you out, but because I think it's important that we hear that like the anger, not oh, no. just the disappointment, I, but the anger oh, yeah. at the effort and time and the everything, know, the, yeah. the, what else, you know, when, and this will come full circle in a moment, right? When you're like, quote unquote, in your calling and mm -hmm. doing the thing and showing up and making the thing and like putting in the work for not one year or two years or five years or 10 years, but like 15 years down the road. And I think this little story is also important in, in the mix. During the pandemic, one of, one of my best friends, um, her husband is an artist and their world kind of shut down too, because their mm -hmm. world relied a lot on going to conventions, going to shows, going to places where you can be seen. So he and I had a lot of talks over, over the pandemic. And we were talking one day and I, you know, I remember saying something, you know, the old like entrepreneurial adage, like, I just feel like I need to stick with it a little bit longer because the, you know, that magic moment is right around the corner. And if I yeah. quit now, I'm never going to get there. Like winners don't quit. 
And, you know, in so many words, and he's sitting on the couch across from me and he just, you know, starts laughing. He's like, yeah, it's like we're playing um, a slot machine with our life. (laughs) It's like we're gambling, right? Like if I put in one more dollar and pull it again, this one's going to be the winner. And the way it hit me, because I absolutely hate gambling. Like I just, I don't understand it. It seems so ridiculous to me that you like take this money that you've worked so hard for and you put it out Mm -hmm. there to be eaten like there's no at least with like food like you get something out of it at least with (laughs) you know shopping addictions you've got other stuff but like gambling it just is such a fleeting addiction you know from Mm -hmm. the outside looking in it's it's just like like such an absurd concept for me. And so mm-hmm. when he said that, it was a major aha moment. It was like, mm. I don't like gambling at all. It seems so ridiculous. Why am I gambling with my life? Yeah, yeah. Why am I gambling with my livelihood? Like just waiting for some magical moment, like not passively waiting, but like actively doing the thing, actively yeah. spending money, actively buying the... camera because it will record the app video better actively, you know, doing all the things, going to the conferences, hoping that that next pool is going to, is going to be the magic pool. Make the difference. Yeah. And so when this job opportunity came up and I instantly recoiled, I was mad. I was mad that this is, was like, oh man, I'm really going to have to go and get the job. And especially where the job was, the job is with the California DMV. And it just Mm -hmm. has such a pedestrian ring to it that it was like, you know, such. And when you've been in performance mode for the past, you know, couple decades of your life and you're like, we, we were joking around of like either the blog post or the full fledged book of uh why I quit Pilates to work (laughs) work at the DMV. DMV. Like you're that sloth (laughs) character in the, um, in that, in the movie. Yeah. You know, like I really did. It was. I was going to write the whole, like, and not just like a blog to go out, but like, you know, for, you know, like the Atlantic, right? Yeah, like yeah. some big I think article. you should still, by the way. Yeah. I mean, maybe one day I will. Cause it was like, <laughs> okay, I'm really, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave the wellness business to go and work at the DMV. Now it's the work just, that it's like a Saturday Night Live skit. I mean, it's the age, <laughs> but you know, not knowing, just like face value. I mean, oh it's yeah, just no, like genius. in in rhetoric, right? Like it's it's ridiculous sounding. Mm-hmm. Now to add context to it, the job. Yeah. <laughs> when people think of the DMV, their first image is always what we call field offices, like where you go and get your driver's license, right. and where you go. And that is not you. <laughs> that is not me. And that's to be honest, like that's the Lord's work right there. Yeah. Like the way that those people have to deal with the amount of stuff that they have to deal with for the little bit of money that they make they are doing truly the lord's work (laughs) out there i work at our headquarters and uh i'm in change management and there is a lot of change that goes on and change management is really taking when anything um changes process programs whatever it may be uh, I go in and help the workforce on mm-hmm. the human centered side of change. And anyone who's owned their business does this on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. It's how do you communicate out to the real world, what it is you're doing, how it is you're doing, especially when you're going through a change. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. And anyone who's tracked my career knows that I've been through about 75 different changes in the 15 years and that I owned, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in the last 15 months. Right. And so, you yeah. know, I was like, okay, I'm an expert. My background is in communications. Like it was really a simple transition for yeah. me. I want to um, just pause for a second for the aspect of um, changing directions, which is yeah. often looked at as, you know, being flitty or indecisive or yeah. ADHD or any level of critique that you want to put on top of um, someone who's in an active seeking mode for mm -hmm. fulfillment and satisfaction and livelihood and quality of life. And I think especially in the wellness world, when you change directions, people look at you as almost betraying the cause or right. the cult as it may be. Right. But in reality, you know, I look at people, pedestrians in the workforce who mm -hmm. obviously can uh, afford our services because they make money <laughs> in the workplace. Like everyone else's um, business is going. Yep. Yeah, exactly. But the way that like salespeople bop from one place to the other, right. consultancy bops from yeah. one place to the other, you know, right now, organizational change management is a big bopper from one place yeah. to the other. And, the, you know, like recruiters and jobs and that the fact that they're that risk taking is a norm in like the corporate America so that you can find a place where you can land and be taken care of. Yeah. That is not the way we look. I mean, look at some of the leaders, you know, we're both Pilates teachers. We, we look at some of the lifelong dedicated yeah. leaders who are quote unquote, carrying the torch for the Pilates method, um, who also in some cases don't have money to pay for medical yeah. bills or yeah. what have you. And it's like, I, I think that lifting the veil on the ways in which we hold ourselves back is important for yeah. the context of this show, meaning that it's not about bashing someone's career choice because certainly values and what matters right. and what meaning is, is different from person to person. But it's also, for me, it's important to recognize that going a way that is not normalized or touted or encouraged is also possible because right now you are yeah. at the DMV essentially doing what you do for your clients, yeah. except for the medium by which you do it is differently. Yeah. You're using yeah. your voice and your well, organizational presentation skills instead of telling them how to do a pelvic tilt. Right. And I think that's so getting to the DMV, you know, and, and getting past the label of DMV and then getting into the context of what is the DMV, which is an over $8 billion a year revenue generating huge 10,000 plus employee corporation that right. runs yeah. up and down California that every single Californian has to go to at some point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's an important business operation. Right. And, you know, I remember even when the job was posed to me, I thought like, I know I can do it, but am I qualified to do it? Yeah. Is it, do I I can figure it out, but do I have the tools needed right. to figure it out? And you know, I sat there and looked at the resume and really broke apart kind of what you're talking about now, Jenna. Instead of I know how to teach Pilates, it's like I know how to program design, mm -hmm. I know how to communicate. I know mm -hmm. how to teach, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of, oh, I know how to run a Pilates business. 
It's like, I'm an entrepreneur with 15 years of business experience running a business Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, I know how to get clients. Like I know how to market instead of, so really distilling, taking the labels out of what it is we do and looking at the meat of what it is that we do. Yeah. And, you know, instead of, you know, client relationships, I know how to form relationships. Mm -hmm. And so I really started looking at what is, what are these transferable skill sets that I know how to do and where else could they apply? And then for me, even why I got into the nervous system work was kind of self-serving. Like I do a lot of nervous system work. I'm a highly anxious, genetically anxious human being. Mm -hmm. And I realized like I could do all my self-work and I've talked about this before. I can do all the self-work I want, but if I'm interfacing with other people and they're not doing the work, then I just get dysregulated because it's a numbers game. Right. And there's one of me and there's lots more people out there. And then I started looking at, well, okay, at my studio, even if I, when I'm like super successful, how many people can I impact in a year? How many people can I impact over 10 years? How many people could I impact? And then when I thought about going to work at DMV and taking the skill sets I have, and they look different, but the meat is there, what it is that I'm trying to do there in the role that I am, I can impact 10,000 people in all of California Mm -hmm. with taking those skill sets and applying them in a different environment. So there was that, that kind of opened it up. And then on the side, I had been telling like joking for probably about a year or two of if I keep going the way I'm going, I'm going to have a heart attack by the time I'm 50. And it Mm -hmm. was like a joke. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But still, And remember, and it was like two or three months into working at the DMV. And I could, for the first time in a long time, I felt how much stress, trauma, overwhelm I had been carrying because of trying to keep my business afloat, because of pivoting, Mm -hmm. because of dealing with clients, because of trying to make sure that the next check came in, because of everything studio related, I felt for the first time the immense amount of stress. And it became really clear in that moment that I was not joking that I was distinctly on a route, whether it was a heart attack or cancer or some sort of depressive episode, like something was going to happen if I had kept going the route that I did. Now, transitioning out was not a clean transition. I thought it would be. I thought, okay, I'm going to leave this. I'm going to get into some stability because that was the big thing about going to work for the state Mm -hmm. was, oh, I know for sure I'm going to get this amount of money every month. I know for sure I get this time off. I know for sure there's all of these stables. And I thought once I get into stability, I'll feel so much better. Yeah. And I actually felt so much worse because it was, I had the space to deal with it. Mm -hmm. I had the space to feel it. I was no longer having to run. I was like there with everything. There's something about, I think when you are working in a service-based arena and wellness, particularly where it's like, you're, you're very thirsty for your own well-being. 
-hmm. But when you work with other people, you get like, it's like drinking from a dripping faucet. You get a little bit at a time. So you Mm -hmm. might get some nervous system regulation. You might get some movement. You might get some dopamine from a great, you know, Mm -hmm. session. You might get accolades or testimonials or praise. And so it sustains you for a long time. But when you don't have all of that distracting you from your real needs, it's like, I think about it in the way where oftentimes when we hear about people who have taken their own lives and everyone Mm -hmm. says, oh, they were so positive or they were always, you know, Mm -hmm. front facing and and happy and caring and all the things. And it's because sometimes when you're around the other people, you're getting that community based um, regulation, co-regulation with each other. But it doesn't mean that that takes the place of real kind of coming to whoever you worship, (laughs) (laughs) you know, with yourself. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, and for me, like a lot of people, money is a stressor. Like that's a real, it's a real stressor. And to, I you know what, you should just take a scarcity and lack course though. That's what everybody says in the wellness industry. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just your relationship and manifest it. (laughs) But I, (laughs) such caca. Um, I I knew too. So after that app thing fell through, like I knew I could work really hard and like create, I knew I could work really hard and like get back my 30 plus hours a week of seeing clients. I knew Mm -hmm. I could, Mm -hmm. I've done it before. I've done it numerous times. I'm good at it. Yep. And like you said, there was also, especially at that time, a looming, so this was last summer, there was this huge looming um, money scarcity, scarcity, inflation, recession, economic depression, scare even more so than what, at least it's in the culture right now, like we may actually be feeling it more, yeah. but you're not turning on the news and reading and all of that, like, yeah. like we were last summer. Yeah. And so I knew that even, I didn't want to do it again. I didn't right. want to work. I didn't want to pull, pull the handle on the slot machine again and put in all that money, all that work, and then like be in the same place yeah. again. I yeah. needed a break. And so I did that and it's been about a year and I will say it's only been about like a couple of months now that I feel, um, settled. Mm -hmm. I feel like creative again. Mm -hmm. I feel, um, like, okay, what I feel like I'm really contributing at my nine to five job or my eight Mm -hmm. to five job. And I also feel like I have space for, what's next because I was very very clear with my own self that you know if I stayed on with the state that's fine like there's a Mm -hmm. great retirement system there's great benefits it's stable it's it is what it is I just never I didn't go into it thinking and this is where I am and this This is is where where you're gonna land forever yeah I I knew that this was a rest right and I want, I think my big message that I want to express is there's an illusion and I had heard it so many times and I actually believed it for so long in the wellness industry and probably small businesses everywhere that that small business, that entrepreneurship, and in particular, the wellness industry is like mm-hmm. an escape from 
the bad quote unquote real world out there. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, oh my God, I made it out of this and I don't mm-hmm. have to do this thing anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think it really, and for some people that might be true, right? Like if you, that could be someone's lived experience. That could yeah. be someone's story. Great. We hear about those second careers that happen exactly. often, but also many of those second careers are founded on a first career that came with some level of financial stability to uh-huh. work. I'm from a retired lawyer and yeah. I'm making my pension exactly. off of that, right? Or right. my spouse is floating my playtime yeah. over yeah. here. Yeah. And then there's some that are just valid, right? Like right. I did, you know, this for 20 years and now I'm just not doing this anymore. And mine right. is just the inverse. Like yeah. I did that entrepreneurial thing. And now, uh, as I've gotten older and just more, uh, curious about something else that yeah. now I'm doing the inverse. And my point in bringing it up is that if, if you're out there and you're like, Oh, if I just pull that slot machine handle one more time <laughs> and you're feeling you and that resonates with you that you don't want to do that anymore, but it also feels like giving up or that there's some, you live in, you know, magical fairyland over yeah. in wellness industry and entrepreneurial land that that's, that, that that's not the full story right. and that there's other opportunities and you can take all of those skill sets that you've developed and they are actually applicable out in corporate America. And there's probably some good stuff over there too. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I want to kind of touch on, because I think, especially in the world of movement, you know, there's so much luxury and exclusivity that comes from the services that we were providing that as human beings didn't really align with the with the impact, the effect that we hope to have with our work, ripple effect or not. And, you know, you're working for the state. I am doing a lot more corporate engagement opportunities. Mm -hmm. And what's wild that we've talked about in conversation and our friendship is, is that the, the lowest common denominator of nervous system regulation, stress mm-hmm. resilience, things, things that come second nature to those of us who have studied it and put it into play in the context of a movement session or a, right. a coaching session, they just aren't available to the general public as, mm-hmm. as a norm, as something that's normalized. And so I feel very, very much like when I'm able to engage with these spaces uh, of of folks in the corporate sector, that often I'm offering something that has a bigger effect for maybe less for that person, especially it's a part of their job. They don't have to pay for it's it's not an elitist thing to manage your stress. They might even need it more. Yeah. Um, based on the limited resources they have. And so for me, it's just been like a real just place of, um, I guess, reconciliation, because yeah. one of the things is we can't we can't work privately on an hour to hour basis and charge pennies yeah. without yeah. some level of funding or donation that happens. Right. It's just not possible. So when when all of that is said and done, the ability to become creative with the ways in which we implement or offer our services, I think is imperative if we're interested in doing that in a way that's more equitable. Yeah. It's also, I think, when when you can bring in 
wellness concepts yeah. right into the environment in which you hope they're applied within. Yeah. Relevance. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. There's context and there's relevance. And we, <laughs> I look back on, and I'm, I'm just going to say it. I'm a real good teacher. I'm real, <laughs> real, real good at wellness stuff, right? Like, um, I, I'm, I'm not questioning that at all, but I look back and go, oh my gosh, my, like, there was a lot of also silliness mixed in with that, thinking that my clients who come to me once a week, maybe twice a week, if they're real lucky, mm-hmm. are going to be able to take that one or two hours and like, distill it, metabolize it, and then live it when the going gets tough, Right when they're in the middle of that corporate meeting with their awful, awful boss in a really toxic culture that is lacking communication and human beingness, like that they're going to go, Yep, I remember that thing that James said. And here, here <laughs> we can't is it okay it. if we co-regulate real quick? <laughs> can we breathe together? Let's breathe together. Right. And you're the only weirdo that's doing that, right? Yeah. yeah. Now I'm in a position where I have actually introduced breath work and normalized it within meetings. Mm-hmm. And it's now like a part of how we do meetings. Yeah. And so it's no longer some something that someone owns that they have to like figure out how to implement it. Mm -hmm. It's that I've now normalized it within a culture and trickled it in, right? Like here's this really applicable thing that is, that is happening. And we, as wellness practitioners, we have a really, really incredible skill set and way in which we view the world that is priceless mm-hmm. out in organizational, private and public sector teams and businesses. I know I uh, <laughs> I have a very I have a small team that I work with on a regular basis, and I, I'm just thinking of one person in particular. She's very physically expressive. Mm-hmm. And in meetings, I'll often say, Hey, it looks like, um, it looks like Lisa has something to say here. Mm-hmm. She's always like, how do you always know? <laughs> like, yeah, I spent like 20 years looking at bodies. Yeah. Going, this body has something to say. Yeah. And now I'm just creating an opportunity for it to have the space to express itself. And there's a direct transferable skill set that is priceless that mm-hmm. the fact that we know how to build relationships with people without it feeling forced right yeah. like it's how you create clients is feeling that yeah so i'm i'm just i'm listening with the ears of of a listener and uh, yeah. i i'm hearing them say i really want to do this this mm-hmm. interests me so much but I just fill in the blank of my wellness skill here. How does one get started from both a kind of self-concept perspective, meaning like how do I wrap my head around how my skills are valuable to the marketplace? And then where do I start communicating that to others? Yeah. I think number one 
you have to get clear about is that the path that you actually want to take, right? That it's not a jumping ship decision because my transitioning into a standard eight to five job was not was not a jumping ship moment. It was a, there's nothing left for me over here right now moment. And I'm choosing to do something different. Yeah. It wasn't like I hadn't exhausted every other option over here. So I think getting clear that it's not a jumping ship because I think that that's it's not real um, estate. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's not real estate, right? Yeah. Like we're yeah. not, it's not, it's not that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then getting clear about what it is that you like doing within the current thing you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not someone who likes um, regimen. I'm not someone who likes standardization. I'm not someone who likes, like, I never wrote down any of my classes. Mm-hmm. I never followed a sequence. I never I just never did that. Mm-hmm. So I knew something like a, um, I knew something like insurance or paperwork was never going to be the thing. <laughs> yeah. But if you are someone who really enjoys going through the order and following mm-hmm. the process and crossing all your T's and dotting your I's, to look at that skill set and go, what is it about this that I actually like? Is it the order? that I like? Do I like teaching this, then this, and this? Or do I like predictability and sequence and guidance and that? And that's going to be a very different um, want in a, yeah. in a standard job than someone like me who really sought creativity and autonomy and um, big concepts and trying to explain big concepts and working through a process like that's going to be really, really different. So I think you got to get really clear about what it is, how it is you like to interface with work. Mm -hmm. And then once you do that, look at like where you're really, really strong at. I've always Mm -hmm. been a strong communicator and I've always been um, really good with like ambiguity and complexity. Like that's always been a major theme within my work Mm -hmm. and then mixing the two together. Right. Mm -hmm. So looking at, well, what are some things where I can deal with big things, big concepts and explaining them to people, taking Mm -hmm. people through a process, you know, where in a studio that might look like, I mean, I've worked with quadriplegic clients and like Mm -hmm. getting them, like, how do you do movement, big movement with bodies that at least on the outside appear that they shouldn't be able to do said movement? Yeah. And so, and how do you make that happen? And so for me, that was never scary. What has always been more scary is getting someone who walks in the door, who's heard about me, who's like, I do classical Pilates three times a week (laughs) with so-and-so and and now like lay it on me, James. Yeah, right. And that was always like a freeze Mm -hmm. moment for me. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't even know what to do with you. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the performative aspect too, right? Like there's a pass fail of that situation. Yeah. Like I don't want to do that. And when those people came to me, I would always like, let's just do breath work Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. let's Mm -hmm. let's, let's (laughs) slow it down. Like, I don't know what to do with you. We are not on the same planet. And so I got really clear about that, right? Like I knew I wanted something in the creative open world. And then this is what I wanted to do. And then finding out like where it is you want to 
go? Like what mm-hmm. is going to be important for you? Is it private? Is it public? Mm-hmm. And then taking a look at your, like write out your resume in the way that you would, and then take a secondary piece of paper and look at like, okay, if it's, I've designed, um, I've designed coursework and workshops for this summit, this conference, this blah, blah, blah. Well, what actually is that? Mm-hmm. That's program design. That's learning and development. That's facilitation. That's keynote speaking. That's, you know, all of these things that exist in the real world and we just have named it something different over the wellness industry. Yeah. And if we think that people in the corporate world are not doing exactly that, that's exactly what they're doing. And you were being stupid. (laughs) They're doing it. If you think, if you look on LinkedIn and if you yeah. think that everyone has done explicitly what they're saying that they've done in the truest context of it, <laughs> I call balderdash. Like there's <laughs> no way. And, and it's, you're not lying. You're no. taking the core of what it is and that we've named something, we've named it something different. Because if I present a TED talk, how is that any different than presenting at, you know, the, any big Pilates conference, fill in the blank, right? Like that is the biggest you can do in the Pilates world, or let's, it's a yoga alliance conference, or mm-hmm. it's, you know, whatever, fill in the blank of whatever, you know, fitness, wellness industry thing is, if that's like the biggest show there is mm-hmm. for your industry, equal sign TED Talk. Mm-hmm. equal mm-hmm. sign, you know, like whatever the big conference for wherever it is, like, yeah. you know how to do that. Well, and it calls, it comes down largely to communication and the relationship building, right? Because in mm-hmm. order for you to stand out to them, you have to recognize the problem that they're trying to solve right. and you have to pose yourself as the solution. And if right. you do that, and, and all of this to say, I, I've been threatening to send my resume to you for quite some time, so it's coming. <laughs> um, but if you do that in the form of um, of Pilates speak, then you're asking them to adopt uh, an entirely new vocabulary that they yeah. don't have access to. But if you put your your skills into their language, you make it easier for them to understand well, how you can solve communication 101, right? Yeah. Like yeah. the communication is in the receiver. So right. if the person receiving my resume, receiving my you know, request to work for them, whatever that looks like, doesn't understand mm-hmm. my experience, how I could be valuable, whatever that is. And, and in order for them to understand, I have to understand right. how that is. Right. So it comes down to self, in- like, like everything in life, it comes mm-hmm. down to self-inquiry and being really creating a lot of space around mm-hmm. this, right? Like it's not a, let me just in an afternoon, write this stuff out. It's right. let me sit with it. And like I said, it it's in this story, it seems like James quit Pilates on a Tuesday and started at the DMV on a Wednesday. <laughs> really, it had been years of going, I'm I, I am transitioning out of individual session work and into working with big organizations, small businesses, teams in a number of different ways. And so I had already started to get curious about how do I sell my services to them? 
mm-hmm. because I knew that there was more that I could do. I knew that I was already doing more than um, what it said on my website. I sure. knew that there was more going on in a session. Yeah, so I had to sit with for a number of years and, and come up with language around that. And then the transition over was more clear, like, okay, now I just really need to finesse this language. But the steps are, what is it that I like? Do I like more structure or more creative space? What Mm -hmm. is it within that that I like to do? And how do I language these in more universal concepts instead of I teach, you know, Pilates workshops, it's I program design and facilitate experiential engagements, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing. Mm-hmm. I've just left the context out of it, right? Yeah. Like if I was a salesperson, I don't go around and say like, I'm, um, uh, what I do is, involves like uh, said widget, right? Like I don't yeah. do, I don't do medical stuff. Like I'm a salesperson and the thing that I'm selling can change because the concept is more universal. Right. It unfortunately goes back to like the ages of, of mad men, you know, Mm -hmm. advertising. But Mm -hmm. when you look back at that, you see, of course, we're going to use their, their powers for good (laughs) (laughs) for furthering the, uh, the, uh, equal rights movement, et cetera. But I, I just think of the way in which they used to sell, you know, household appliances to housewives. And that was make your husband happy. Right. You know, and whether or not that was the, whether or not that benefit showed up, it was what, the culture wanted to hear for the time right given the time so i think that you know we're 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 served a lot of that every single day yeah but when the intention is working with someone not taking advantage of them you Mm -hmm. know you're Mm -hmm. and sharing how you can help them um, because, you know, I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to facilitate and zhuzh up your resume, get a job and then just sit back and collect. That's not how right. it happens. Right. That's yeah. not, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. the pulling of the slot machine mm-hmm. model. You're going to mm-hmm. have to do the work and it'll gotta... show, you know, very mm-hmm. quickly whether or not you're able to do what you said you could do. Um, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you got to be able to defend that dish that you're putting on that resume. So it's a little different than just nailing, landing the sale. So <laughs> that's why you got to get interested right about like Mm -hmm. what is this thing that I like and what of my skill sets have I really focused on nourishing Mm -hmm. the whole time and then is there a way to transfer it over to something else yeah and that something else can look a lot of different ways And I think it just really depends. Like for me, as I've said, I was really looking for my nervous system needed some security and some stability within finances, needed some predictability Mm -hmm. because I had been dealing like with like so many people, I had been dealing with a lot of caretaking of others and unpredictability and scarcity for too long. Yeah. And it, you know, just was impacting it was impacting a lot of things that I, I like deep down knew because it was coming up as jokes, but I mm. was not aware that it was at the level that it was. So it was also right. just a, it was a caretaking moment. It was a caretaking moment for me. 
Yeah. And um, and also just a what's what's next? Because even now, uh, you know, I did not give up my full business. I kept my studio and just minimized my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting ready. <laughs> I've, I've told everyone if I had like Kardashian money, I would just hire someone to pack up my studio and let it be gone. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't. And the right. reality of like, what do I sell? What do I keep? Where do I move this stuff? I would like to build an office in the backyard and do yeah, that. It's a like, whole other project. It's like, it's overwhelming to mm-hmm. even do that. So I've kept it and I continue to work with businesses and organizations. In fact, I'm a preferred vendor for like a really big a company that works with over 200 school sites in California and I'm doing their keynote. I'm doing a bunch of, I'm doing doing like three or four keynotes this month Mm -hmm. and, you know, doing that. So it's not that I've totally moved away, but this is what I know for sure. Now being in the eight to five culture and listening to the concerns and the thought process and the wants and the needs of the average person now, now I know how to even talk about the work that I've created over the 20 years and a yeah. much more fluid, cohesive, relevant, marketable way. Yeah. Because when I see what I, when I see now, what I see come across on like Instagram or marketing, I'm like, oh, you, you truly don't understand the needs and the capacity of the people you're trying to sell this stuff to like the words you're using are not at all what they want yeah not at all what they understand yeah and we're right back to that problem so you know spending a little time over in this workforce culture has even deepened my understanding of how to market you know what it is that i have been working 20 years to, to generate, whether I go back to that full-time in the future or just keep it as, you know, now my, my other job. Um, you know, so there's lots of value. There's lots, I think it's just getting curious about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is a great segue into outside of the, our conversation at the beginning, the staple piece of the working well podcast, the structure. Yeah. So this is a part of the show where I ask you about things that are working well for your brain, Mm -hmm. your body, your being and your business. And just to give context, since it's the first episode, these are the tenets of my business and everything that goes into it. And there is um, just a want and desire to approach our roles as wellness practitioners from a more holistic W-H-O-L-E point of view, and also to share some tips and insider tracks because we are sorely lacking in the professional way. I get so many emails from like, tech companies, HR companies, all places that I've that I've worked with for that are purely based in kind of skill sharing and trend sharing. And here's what's up and here's what's happening and here's what's going on. And I think we need more of that. So we will start 
off by asking what strategies, what practices are really working well for your brain right now? <laughs> Mind also could be inserted into that question. Yeah. Um, this, you know, when, like most podcasts, you sent over the form to the form. kind of you know, <laughs> fill out. So you could understand where I'm at a little bit better. Standard operating procedure, right? Mm -hmm. The brain one was actually the hardest one mm. for me to fill out. And to be honest, I don't even remember what I wrote. I remember like I finally landed on something. What mm -hmm. did I write? What did you I You wrote about um, boundaries, setting boundaries around work. Yeah. Um, specifically surrounding like what you have the capacity to concentrate on. Right how long it's going to take, what is the value of that work and so on. And I, I think that's why I've had such a hard time because that's something that is um, like, I'm really good at setting boundaries in like personal relationships. Like I'm mm -hmm. actually pretty, pretty good with that. I'm not when I think why it's so difficult, why it was so difficult and why it still continues to be difficult is because I'm in that like, uh, like so many of us, it's that capitalistic productive, like, what do I need to do yeah. to make my brain and mind better? Like, what do I need to generate? What do I need to buy? What do yeah. I need? And it really takes me a long time to remember, oh, it's a, not about what more to do. Mm -hmm. It's not about what more to buy. It's not, it's like, for me, it's been the opposite. And even now I'm like, I know I finally wrote something and it was like, yeah, that's it. And then I couldn't even remember what it was. Because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's so unnatural for me to go, oh, it's not what to do. It's what not to do. It's what, it's not where to create something. It's where to acknowledge space mm -hmm. and vacancy and, um, and so boundaries and saying no to things. And like in a real example, like a couple of months ago, we uh, we were headed, my team and I were headed into a meeting and my boss said, my manager said, let's, um, let's all take notes on what we hear in the meeting. This was a meeting we had to be like active. Mm -hmm. in. And I just said, I want everyone to know that I will not be taking notes. It, <laughs> I, if the expectation is for me to be present and involved, like I already know I can't do both. Like mm -hmm. my brain doesn't work like that. I am one thing I know for sure now seeing myself work in multiple different environments is I'm an extremely present human being. Mm -hmm. Like when I'm there with you and doing the thing, like that is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I'm not thinking about something else I'm not doing. I have teammates, God bless them. They can be on a meeting, creating a PowerPoint, writing, answering an email. And that's just not me. Mm -hmm. I'm hyper-focused on whatever I'm doing. And so setting boundaries, setting boundaries for my own self. Like I've told, you know, I told you before this, Jenna, um, today after this meeting, I'm reworking my website because I took my website down because I kept getting lots of contacts about people wanting to do Pilates and I just got tired of fielding those responses. So my boundary mm -hmm. was, I'm just going to take my website down mm -hmm. and just not have to deal with that for a while. Yeah. And so it's getting more clear about boundaries and getting really clear about what I do have the capacity to do so that I'm not worrying about 
and perseverating and trying to figure out how to make 14 different things fit together because that was yeah. the whole point yeah, of walking yeah. away from the business. Right. Right. I love it. I think that's um, the space, claiming the space to help you be present or focused or, you know, just there <laughs> for mm -hmm. like just mm -hmm. in person, just full, fully invested into what you're doing is something that um, we tend to shake off in, in the, uh, for the sake of multitasking and the value, yeah. the perceived value the perceived surrounding value. that. Yeah. 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 What about your body? What is working well for your body right now? Yeah. I had disembodied for a very long time mm -hmm. and I, uh, and it probably happened in like 2018, and that's mm -hmm. when my dog got really, really sick mm -hmm. and there was a lot of caretaking. And then while that was happening, I got, I, it's now closed, but I had a gym kind of across the street and I ended up hurting my ankle, which mm -hmm. hurt my foot. Mm -hmm. And I was dealing with immense foot pain for a lot of years. And Jenna, you and I have talked about this mm -hmm. it was a physical thing that got, that was holding hands with and coupled with grief. Mm -hmm. And so I couldn't resolve it. I couldn't fix it. I couldn't heal it. I couldn't shake it off. And that really interfered with the things that I love to do, which is like running and hiking and all of that. And, um, you know, I could feel there was a winding down process with Pilates. So I kind of began to dissociate myself from Pilates equipment and Pilates. And then when the pandemic happened, you know, uh, it became like, you couldn't go to the gyms, you couldn't whatever. And, and even here at the studio, when I would come into the studio space, it felt so isolating. It felt so familiar and foreign at the same time that I became more dissociated from it. Mm -hmm. And then going through, like, I think everyone at the time, this, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. And, and I think some people really turned to movement, whether it was, um, you know, like just fight or flight getting through it or like a crutch or distraction. Uh oh. I have no idea what that was. Me neither. Okay. <laughs> Kicked you off. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Right. Let's... People turn turn to the movement in the pandemic. Yeah, so... <laughs> uh, I, I was about to say a distraction. Yeah, like a distraction, whatever it is, right? And I just didn't like that wasn't my coping mechanism to mm -hmm. to get through life. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just got grew like more and more dissociated from like physical practice. Mm -hmm. um, and then because I was so stressed, my sleep became really disrupted. Like I've never had a problem falling asleep ever. Mine mm -hmm. was staying asleep. Like mm -hmm. I would wake up multiple times a night to the point, And like my arms would be like, like nerve, weird nerve stuff, like, you know, all the time. Yeah. And um, long story short, it's been about eight months now that I have really focused on resourcing my body and yeah. the least of which has been movement. Mm -hmm. I started with um, sleep was the most important. 
And so really getting focused on sleep hygiene and in particular, I tried a lot of things. And for me, the magic was magnesium and like, you know, really staying dedicated to like getting that properly into my body and knowing, <laughs> figure out what's too much and what's not enough and like, what's the correct dosage on that. And, um, and then after that became like, uh, honoring like food and not in a, like, uh, <laughs> I have always, you know, uh, I want to be really clear that I'm not someone who would be a quote unquote clean eater, but I am a nutritious eater. Like mm -hmm. I really listen to, I haven't, I have always my entire life had innate ability to listen to if I'm getting too much of something or if my body needs more of something and it's not, you know, spot on in the moment, but it's like, oh, I really need to eat, you know, lots of salad this week. Sure. And then the next week, like no salad at all. I just don't need that this yeah. week. Yeah. And so really tuning into that and then movement practice has been um, really subtle and really like natural movement, like mm. more walking. I've done, I've been swimming like every night with my dog, mm. like trying to teach him how to swim in a pool. And the only like exercise-y thing is, and it's so funny because I spent years looking at these people like, that's so stupid. Why do you do this? Is uh, our, my new fascination is rucking, which is where you, oh, yeah. you know, like tons of weight into a backpack, Yep. And then, like go for a long walk. I and love it too. I, I pretend I'm doing it with all my crap in my bag and it's a three mile walk home. And I'm like, this counts. My <laughs> favorite thing. I just like, I just love it mm -hmm. so much. And I spent so long looking at people doing that version of exercise. Like, that's so stupid. Why do mm -hmm. you? <laughs> mm -hmm. I know. Like, what do you do? Just it. walk. Yeah. Yeah. Just I walk. get it too. Like, you know, it's affecting your natural movement capability. Blah, blah, blah. No, it's not. Just no. Hang it's on. Good. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. Um, I wanted to tell you, I recently had been doing some research about uh, burnout and stressors for fitness professionals. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to see if there were any actual studies that had come out. And I found three, which is not mm -hmm. amazing. But in one of the studies on PubMed, I'll link it up in the show notes, uh, it showed that for fitness professionals, this is not going to come as lightning bolts of information, <laughs> but it's nice to know that it was validated. So let me just like, you can feign surprise when I say okay, this, okay. but for fitness professionals, movement professionals, whose main job is being in the context, the vocabulary of movement, teaching classes and or directing clients, whatever it ends up being, um, exercise was sh shown largely to contribute to stress oh, as opposed what? to, yeah, that is exactly <laughs> the reaction I was looking for. <laughs> As opposed to, it is recommended as one of the highest interventions right. that you can do based yeah. on the fact that it um, it parallels the body's stress response by quickening heart rate, pumping more blood, uh, muscle tension, um, and in some cases, focus. So it's more of a, I guess, a benign stress experience that hopefully provides one with some strengthening or for whatever the heck they're after. Um, but it was just, it was very interesting to see it on paper. And I do feel like for those of us who are involved in very technical forms of anything, but in the movement realm of, of teaching movement, a sabbatical from that technique is imperative. Oh, 
train breath for that, but it is imperative. Right. Because there is such a thing as overtraining, but there's also such a thing as overfocusing or over repetition. And even though we're not working machinery in a factory or sitting at a desk all day, you know, we are pelvic tilting, squatting, lunging at a degree that is vastly larger than the general yeah. population. So well, I, just I mean, it was that was even the, that even when I was immersed in teaching that what you just said there was my whole philosophy and like how and what it is I taught and experienced movement, yeah. in my own body. Like I, you know, when I would explore with movement, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to add this. It was like, let's really do this. Like I'm going to do Olympic weightlifting for an entire year. And that's yeah. all I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm going to do this rolling around on the floor thing for 16 months. And that's all yeah. I'm going to do. And, you know, for the sake of just figuring it out, this was also just, um, again, in the, in the vein of listening to my body, part of it was just, none of that was important. Mm. Uh, embodiment wasn't important in the moment because mm -hmm. there were so many other things going on and embodiment is a luxury. Mm -hmm. And it was when I finally got stable enough in everything else mm -hmm. and I could start adding and I could start reawakening that embodiment. The, the prioritization was not as I had expected. Yeah. Prioritization was not movement. Prioritization was not um, getting strong. Prioritization was sleep. Yeah. Followed by like nourishment. Yep. Followed by play, like what felt fun to do. Yeah. I still have not. It has only been recently that I've thought, oh, I would like to get back into a weightlifting practice. I would like to get back into yeah. Pilates practice, you know, like regimented yeah. physical activity. Like it wasn't even, it wasn't even, it, it wasn't even important. Yeah. Like that didn't it wasn't important yeah. for me. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I think it, I think it is important to include that narrative into yeah. the world of movement in right. general. Yeah. Because, yeah. How about your business right now? We've talked about where you're at with it. What's working well in your uh, business? Again, like, I don't know if I put this on the list, but I think boundaries and like getting really, really clear on that and knowing mm -hmm. what to say yes to and knowing what to say no to mm -hmm. has been really important. Again, like I could be taking on more clientele. Yeah. It's really about letting go of expectations mm -hmm. and even letting go, like physically letting go. I've already said I'm letting go of this studio space. Mm -hmm. I don't know when, and I don't know like what that will all look like. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't feel sad to me. It doesn't feel, yeah. you know, well, I'm not giving the transition time and there's grief involved in it. I mean, there, exactly. Yeah. And there's also like, um, uh, you know, I worked with Chantel Lopez for a long time, mm -hmm. um, collaborating and she worked here in the studio and, you know, if you know who she is, she's an amazing teacher who's gone on and changed her business, mm -hmm. but she, uh, she, 
she would have so many wise phrases on mm-hmm. perspectives on things. And one of them was, you know, like when, instead of looking at like business exits, whether that's a client or a loss in some way, instead of looking at as a loss, look at it as like a vacuum and like, what mm-hmm. is it going to suck in? What new thing does that vacancy actually bring in? Mm-hmm. And I think holding on to this space I don't feel like I'm honoring this space anymore. With my I friends. totally understand. You know, that. it's yeah. it's. I feel like this space has has always had amazing energy. Like it's really surprising for people because from the outside, it's like not nice. Mm-hmm. The minute you come in, there's I have created and embedded in these walls really amazing energy. Mm-hmm. Co-created with. 15 years of clients of all sorts and shapes. We've cried, we've laughed, we've, you know, like there's been um, sharing of like really intimate death that's gone on here and really intimate births that Mm -hmm. have gone on in these walls. And I feel like it's time for someone else to get to enjoy that space. And I hope that this physical space brings someone else's business, that kind of life and that mm-hmm. kind of life cycle. Mm-hmm. And it, it just no longer feels like mine. It feels there's like- such, Yeah, there's just such power in that. I remember talking um, to Raven, who mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. years ago, and she is, uh, I don't even know what you would call her, an intuitive healer to a degree. Um, I, I know she wouldn't call herself that, but just to give it context, <laughs> but she was talking about the lack of willingness for folks in the wellness profession to- admit that that the project has come to a completion yeah Yeah. and i think that again back to the beginning you know we we look at the closure of something as a failure as opposed to a transition or a next step Um, and the only thing we really celebrate in context of work is retirement yep whereas you busted your butt for 65 years or whatever and now you get to have a party where along the way there's just such opportunity to say i recognize that i'm no longer honoring the power of this space and so i'm ready to see where else i can go with that energy yeah yeah it's you know i i used to tell clients i have loved the the trapeze table cadillac has always been like my favorite piece of apparatus and like Mm -hmm. I have told clients like there, there is no way I will ever give up my trapeze table. Like, (laughs) like if that is the only piece of furniture in my house, you know, like that, it it will never leave there. And I came into the studio, I don't know, it's been months ago now. And I looked at it and I was like, I don't, I don't need that anymore. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I don't need that anymore. Yeah. And it's, you know, and again, like it's going to, when I do, so this is also my public announcement that one day I will have an amazing Pilates equipment sale here in Sacramento. <laughs> so if you're in Northern Sacramento, California, California, stay tuned. Yep. Um, stay, tuned. Yeah. <laughs> stay tuned. And I, you know, and it's just like, what do I actually need to take with me? What is still valuable? What can I let go of? Yeah. So that that letting go can invite new stuff into my life and also new stuff into like other people's lives and Mm -hmm. 
I just, I think it's the, what's serving my business right now is letting go so that I can get really clear about what is still important. You know, Mm -hmm. I was, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm, my project right now is redoing the website. And I was having Mm -hmm. a conversation with my mom last night and she's like, well, can't you just take off, you know, some of the Pilates stuff and leave and like rework your old one. And I was like, no, I actually can't. <laughs> no, I gotta you're let not go dressing it up. Yeah, yeah you're not changing it up. I got to let go of all of that to get really clear and, and bring in the stuff that I am interested in. So yeah. ironically, again, back in that vein of like, it's not more, it's actually less. Right, right. Yeah, I'm just letting that marinate for a moment. <laughs> so... I mean, one of the things that's interesting and exciting for me just asking these questions is that I knew as your friend that you were going to come at them from a very human centered, more existential perspective. And I know some people are going to be like, well, I'm eating kale and it's going really well. You know, <laughs> like It's going to be a very specific wellness tip. And I'm excited to see how it how it unfolds. I mean, the guests that I've got lined up for this season are um, definitely more on the existential end of yeah, things, yeah. as is my preference. But certainly somebody will be like, I'm taking a new, you know, supplement. I have a new supplement. Or, yeah. And which yeah, is great. I got this you know, that's all part massager. of it. That's all part of it too. And also to know that like sometimes it's a distillation process. It's a more, what do I not need? Yeah. What do I not need to be doing anymore? Right. And also like at the core of wellness lies that kind of self-advocacy and inquiry, understanding what's working for you what's not what are the choices you have and um i was having a conversation with my client prior to this and we i was trying as (laughs) as i will be until the day i die to describe my perspective when it comes to movement (laughs) (laughs) and and to do it in such a way that sounds somewhat like um you know something that one could share as opposed to (laughs) something that makes Uh sense to my brain and what i came up with was Uh, I've said this to you before, when I talk to a person about their wellness practices, movement, health, what have you, and they answer, if I ask them, what do they, what what do you do to support your wellness? And they answer with a brand name first, right? They say any, I'm going to, I'll keep it clean, any number of brand names, just think of the big online fitness, the big supplements, the big coaches, all of those things, apps. And they start with the name of a brand name. I know that there is a part of them that is disembodied or uninvolved in mm-hmm. the choice making, meaning they they resonate with what's being offered to them. And also they're not uh they're making an outside in choice yep. versus an inside out choice. So I said to her, you know, where I land in taking care of your body from a movement perspective is in a daily practice that says, what am I equipped to support today? Mm -hmm. Is it strength? Is it my heart and lungs through cardiovascular work? Is it mobility? Is it recovery? Is it mental health? Mm -hmm. And essentially what it comes down to is an inquiry based on the resources that you have and what you're able to really offer to yourself on any given day, because we Mm -hmm. all know that there are days that we push ourselves harder than we need to. And it actually 
it might build some level of resilience, but ultimately, should we be building up the armor for a life that is assumed to be challenging and difficult? Right. Or should we be looking looking for the tiny little access points of places where we could find more ease? I, for one, am, am, I'm tired of preparing for the worst. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think working from the premise of, you know, I've got something to offer to myself today. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. Instead of I should be doing 150 minutes of exercise with a combination of strength resistance training and cardiovascular training and also eating greens and taking a probiotic and all these it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. It's exhausting. So mm -hmm. if we work with what we're equipped to work with, like, doesn't that help the nervous system doesn't that help the stress hormones within your body don't you learn how to decide and choose to live a more calm experience through each day and it also i think um asks us to look at what is wellness yeah to and us. yeah and for me uh especially after i, I don't think i had the language before working through some somatic experiencing courses. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so much nervous system work is taught in the way of shifting the nervous system, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm feeling dysregulated and what is the thing I need to do to fix it, to get to regulate it. I'm feeling anxious and how do I get to calm? Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that is one level of nervous system work. And I think that's, I think that's the, when I teach it, that's the inlet to it. Cause you have to know you have access to this thing, mm -hmm. but that's not the end. And that mm. to me, isn't wellness. It's not the fixing of it. Yeah. It's, can I be with that dysregulated portion of myself in a way that allows me to appreciate and understand it knowing that there are other options out there. Mm -hmm. And if I'm constantly in this um, search for what's the next supplement that I need to take, what are all of these things I need to do in order to get to wellness? From my lens, what am I skipping over that's mm -hmm. actually part of my aliveness? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't want to get stuck there. And by no means am I saying like, you know, it's good to be stuck in that dysregulated portion. And that's, mm -hmm. that's wellness because it's a, you know, to use somatic experiencing terms, it's a pendulation between the two. Mm -hmm. it's like, and that's aliveness is sometimes I'm going to be in this like um, area that maybe feels uncomfortable, that maybe feels uh, kind of yucky. And mm -hmm. then, and then I'm able to swing over to an area that feels really good. And then in between, there's probably this neutral area mm -hmm. and it's having that spectrum and having that access and knowing that like, it's okay. Like all of yeah. that is okay. And it's part of aliveness. Right. And I think sometimes with the wellness community and thinking about wellness at work is we're trying to push towards an idealistic grass is greener on the other side goal 
And that doesn't yeah. allow us to understand, appreciate, and be with the majority, which is kind of that neutral mundaneness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, how do I just like wellness to me is like, do you just are you able to just sleep at night? Right. Yeah. Like without right. waking up with like dead arms uh, like yeah. 14 <laughs> times a night. Because it's not right. fun, guys. That's no. not fun. It is not fun. Yeah, I think that. So many, I mean, we could go for another hour on this subject, yeah. but there is a, there is a good amount of uh, reporting that's coming up recently surrounding corporate culture, slowly, surreptitiously removing things like DEI, wellness mm-hmm. programs, things mm-hmm. that, that were really hot topics in the pandemic because yeah. lives were at stake. Mm-hmm. And when we are not in an emergent state, it feels like excuses can be more readily made of why this thing is not important because everybody's doing okay. Nobody, Mm -hmm. there aren't hundreds of people passing away each day in the hospital. There aren't, you know, millions of people who are struggling uh, mentally. But the truth is that less from a preventative place, more from an acknowledgement that human life is messy Mm -hmm. and that perfection at work is an unrealistic expectation. Mm -hmm. And so why not equip your employees, your staff, your teams with strategies and outlets so they can deal better with the mess when it happens because the mess is inevitable. Yeah, yeah. It's, and this is sort of where we're focusing, my group is focusing a lot right now, even on the DMV. Like we, like I said, formally on organizational change management, informally at work, we are pretty much the only group doing any sort of uh, workforce organizational development, really Mm. working with the humans. And so we're in charge of our employee engagement survey. We're in charge of all of that. And Just this week, I spoke with all of our directors, all of our deputies, like the highest of the highest people who are who who have jobs because they were appointed by our governor to do the thing. Mm -hmm. And the the lens, the the lens through which we're looking at things and the messaging was all on human beingness. Mm -hmm. And I think people needing to feel uh valued seen recognized and have all of those human connections and it's really interesting even looking at our employee engagement survey when people were commenting on things what they liked most were things like um I have a really good team that I work with and Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm contributing to California and feeling of service and I feel working for the state is stable and when I looked at it you know first you're just reading the comments but these are all things that are innate human nervous system regulation wants to feel like you belong, to feel like you have value, and to feel some safety and security through it all. So getting back to that thing of like, I, we might use particular language to talk about stuff, but these are universal concepts when you start really kind of zooming out and looking at them Mm -hmm. and to me that's really more so than like um how mobile are your shoulders it's wellness at work comes down to do i feel connected to people 
Do I feel like I can contribute? And really that's some autonomy and some value. And then do I have a sense of safety and security? And whether that is at the job level or in my own body, do mm-hmm. I feel safe and secure in my own body? And I think that when you look at what is wellness, it's not how it has been defined, certainly for the last 10 years, probably 20 years, mm-hmm. as long as like corporate and workplace wellness has looked. It's a much bigger, nuanced, and simple uh, bracket. It's mm-hmm. really, it's human beingness. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the more we can look at that and look at what portions of your aliveness and human beingness, which takes again, self-inquiry and getting mm-hmm. really quiet. And it's not, there's not a supplement for it. There's not a class <laughs> for it. Mm-hmm. You know, all of those might be contributions to the the process you go through. Like mm-hmm. I may need, uh, I may need support in this way or another. And that may look like this, that, or the other, but what it is we're trying to get to is feeling less like a robot at work and more like a human being mm. through it all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Just the acknowledgement that we are human. Yeah. And that doesn't ride sidecar to our productivity. <laughs> right. It actually contributes yeah. to it. Like that yeah. is the driving force. Yeah. And I think now more than ever in the age yeah. of AI booming, we need uh, the humanity I mean, to let's let's not get into that one. We can no, talk we'll get all it. day we'll, long. We'll do it later. We'll do it later well, for sure. I want to just say I'm super excited to see where where you take this friend. If anyone's going yeah. to um steward this conversation into some really interesting corners, into a really valuable podcast. It's going to be you. And, um, you know, I'm hopeful. My wish for you is that you can look back at all of the stuff you've done as inspiration for all of the stuff you're going to do. And I'm really excited. Thank you. I think that is, uh, you know, emerging from a bit of a challenging time that is uh, the perspective that I need to immerse myself in because it's too easy in this world of high performance and attention grabbing and popularity to look at only the things that um, lasted or, you know, made the grain. But yeah, yeah, I, I think evident in this conversation and I see this word used way too much, but in the purest form of the word authenticity, mm-hmm. it, it this really does feel the most true in terms of a container, building a container that can support my interests, things that are matter yeah. and are meaningful to me, and also invite others into the conversation to do the same. Yeah. And so um, my, I think I'm thinking of this as a project and whether it's one seasoned or 20 seasons, we, we shall see mm-hmm. um, going into it with non-attachment, but, but a good deal of passion. And um, I think this has been the longest time I've ever spent on building a container for the project yeah. 
to ensure that the energy that I brought to it, the people I invited into it, and the overall uh, purpose of it for others was really supported from a, a, a grounded place of, of, of understanding what it wants to be outside mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. me. So mm -hmm. I don't, again, I could not have done this episode with anyone else to, you know, get comfortable, get yeah. my feet wet and just really, you know, start the thought process going. Yeah. So I want to thank you. Of and, course. Um, what yeah. an honor as always. Always. I love you, friend. I love you too, friend. All right, friends, we did it. The very first episode of the Working Well podcast. I hope you enjoyed this long form conversation between James and I listening to our stories and maybe hearing a little of your own in the themes we spoke about. I know a lot of wellness professionals are looking for support and that's exactly what we intend to offer through this show. We've got some amazing guests coming up in episodes to come, but right now the most important thing is to get the word out. Tell people that there's a new podcast on the block that's here to help with insight, with storytelling, with grounded skill sharing information from professionals who have been there and who are right in the trenches with you. So step one, head on over to your favorite podcast app and hit that follow, subscribe, whatever you need to do to make sure that this show shows up in your list of downloads. Step two, if you would be so inclined to leave a review, five stars is just heart filling. Four stars is great too. If, if there's anything less, you know, I, Go, go and be well, <laughs> is what I want to say. But all of your reviews really do count. They do get the show noticed and seen by others. And if you know of a wellness professional who could benefit from what we're offering, send them our way. We're going to build this listenership up one ear at a time. <laughs> so until our next episode airs, be well. <laughs>